Lori here, and welcome to the Awakening Moments podcast. Grab a cup of tea and let's spend some time together. My co-host Rhonda and I are ordained ministers working together at Life Center Church. We are leaders, wives, moms, and longtime friends. In this podcast, we hope to share some meaningful moments from our lives, everything from lessons we've learned the hard way or how to rise up in the midst of obstacles and insecurities. We will encourage you to take risks and remind you that you are deeply loved and completely worthy. Let's awaken life's most amazing moments together. Today's podcast is a workshop from Heart Conference 2019, Awaken Freedom, Finding Freedom and Peace Through the Power of Prayer. In this workshop, you'll discover some of the lies you may believe about yourself and how to replace it with the truth of what God says about you. Learn who and what our wrestle really is with and how to come out victorious in the promises that Christ has provided. This workshop is by Carolyn Coyman and Reverend Sandra Morin. Carolyn Coyman has been an active member of Life Center for 20 years. She and Terry will be celebrating 30 years of blissful marriage and enjoy a very close relationship with their two adult children. Carolyn worked as an RN for 27 years, is a floral artist, and excited to be embarking on a new career in real estate. Carolyn and her husband facilitate several small groups, including marriage groups. They're committed to seeing people connected to one another within the church and to seeing marriages thrive. Carolyn is passionate about prayer and intercession. She considers prayer to be one of the most powerful and greatest privileges of every believer. Carolyn has a mother's heart for many. She has a special love for the younger generation, desiring to be an influence through prayer, discipleship, and modeling a fire for Jesus and his word. She is involved in personal freedom ministry for women. Reverend Sandra Morin has attended Life Center since moving to Canada from the United States in 2003. She is a retired RN who went back to school, graduating from Mount Hope Bible Institute, and received her ministerial diploma, Bachelor of Religious Education, and subsequent ordination. Sandra has served in various areas of ministry since her conversion 42 years ago, such as Alpha, Altar Prayer Ministry, Evangelism, Missions, and Freedom Ministry. She is presently a teacher in the Ottawa School of the Bible. Sandra's passion is for people to not only find Christ, but to learn who they are in Christ and to walk in the freedom and power of the Holy Spirit. Sandra is happily married to her husband, Denis, and has three children and one beautiful granddaughter. Sandra remains an Ottawa Senators fan, no matter where they are in the standings. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hi, everybody. Thank you for slipping and sliding across the parking lot to get here today. We really welcome you. We're really excited to have you here today. Um, I just wanted to share a little something that happened this morning. We were back in a prayer room, and somebody was talking about, oh, God has a sense of humor, okay? And I was thinking back probably over 42 years ago when I gave my, my life to Christ, and I remember saying this, Father, I will do whatever you want me to do, don't ever make me get up to speak in front of people. <laughs> I said, that's the truth. So call me crazy. Woo! Call me crazy. Because you know what? We serve an amazing God that does amazing things through people if we just yield to it. Not what I asked to do. It's just what he's called me to do. 
So thank you for uh, joining us today. Now, I just want to ask you, those of you who are in this room, you saw the title, Awaken Freedom. There was something in that title that drew you here. I'm, I want to know by just a show of hands how many of you, when you look at that, you're looking at your own life and you're saying, you know what, there are some areas in my own life that I feel enslaved to and bondage to, some areas that I have tried to change. I've tried to do better and I keep going around that mountain and I keep going around the mountain and I just can't seem to break through. Is that anybody here in this room? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know what? I got my hand up too. And let me tell you something. Carolyn and I are up here because we are two people that God has super naturally set free like that. Yes. Some things in our life. So we believe in this. And we minister to many women and men. And we have seen God move in a mighty, way, mighty ways. And sometimes it's just knowing what's out there. You know, we know that the scripture for this particular workshop is, is Galatians 5.1. And it said, it is for freedom, right, that Christ has set us free. What he did on that cross, rose again from the dead, appropriated our freedom. Now, what happens sometimes is we don't know how to appropriate, appropriate that freedom for ourselves. And there's several things that we can do, and hopefully... Listen, this can't be a detailed teaching. I would love to do this for 12 weeks to talk about all of this. In the short period of time that we have, I hope that God, because you're here, and you, every one of you ladies, you're here for a reason. And I believe as, even as we're speaking, the fact that you're here and everything that has happened in that sanctuary over there, that you can get free just like that here because that's how good our God is. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, I, it was interesting because I thought, well, I'm just going to look up what the definition of freedom is. And I found it actually astounding, astounding because it was so spiritual. <laughs> you know, the first definition is the power to act, speak, or think as one wants without any hindrance or restraint. Okay? Now... I know that we ladies like to talk. We, and we want to know everything in detail. I talk to my husband sometimes, and I'll say, you know, he'll, he goes somewhere, I'll come back, and I'll ask him all the questions. Well, you know, what happened? And what time was that? And, you know, what did you have for lunch? What did they have for lunch? What did he wear? And he's like, honey, I don't know. You know, that's what men are like. We think in detail because we're multitasked. And we just, we're like that. Well, what happens, though, is there's things in our life that we don't particularly like about ourselves, And that may be how our tongue engages. So because we're detailed, we talk a lot. In fact, research shows that women use a lot more words during the day than men. And so we have a greater propensity to get tripped up in our mouth, Right? How many of you, when you've been talking to your friend, you just start on a nice conversation, and then all of a sudden, you have shared something you shouldn't have shared. You have tail-bared. You have done some things, and it's like you judged somebody. And then after the conversation, the conviction of the Holy Spirit hits you because he's our friend with conviction because he's trying to train us. And we've said, 
Why did I say that? Has that ever happened to you or is it just me? Okay, why did I say that? And then when we talk about act, you know, the way we act, sometimes we act ways we don't like. And usually somebody will tell you, why are you acting like that? Why do you keep acting like that? And you're saying, I can't help it. That's just the way I am. It's just the way I am. My mom was like that. My grandma was like that. And we accept that as just the way we are. But it's not. I do not think that Jesus went through Galilee walking around going, hey, it's just the way I am. <laughs> Too bad, it's just the way I am. He didn't. And he wants us to be like him. He wants us to be like him. And the, the most important thing of that, you know, whatever you act or you speak is how you think. And this is where the biggest battle is, is between your ears. Really, it is. If you, think, if you think about it, you can't even sin without thinking about it first. You can't. It's right here. That's your biggest battle. And what happens when we have stinking thinking, and we get stinking thinking because we have three areas that thoughts come in. God can give us thoughts. Love those. We can think things on our own, our own flesh. The enemy of your soul will inject thoughts into your mind. And unfortunately, sometimes those are the ones that are captivating us. And we'll think on it. And we'll think on it. And we'll think negative. And then we spiderweb because of our thinking. Oh, you know, I, I should have did this. I should have did that. We spiderweb. And soon we have built a stronghold in our mind that that's the only way we can think now because it's there, insecurity, inferiority, all sorts of ways that we think. So you have got to pay attention to what you're thinking about. <coughs> pay attention to what you're thinking about, because um, Paul said, take every thought captive. He didn't just say, take a few. He said, take every thought captive under the obedience of Christ. You've got to pay attention, because your thoughts are not harmless things. Unrestrained, they can cause big problems in your life. And, you know, I want to I just share this little thing. All right, let's say you have an issue with your coworker. Something happened at work. wasn't a good exchange. Don't tell me you didn't start going back to your desk. Well, you know, I can't believe she said that about me. And you know what? I should have said that. And you know what? Next time, and you've got this big scenario going on in your mind. Is that not true? Yes. That's how women think. And we're already thinking about, and you know what, next month, <laughs> I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. We, we cannot let our, go, our thoughts go that way. You cannot, because that's what the enemy uses to build strongholds. The um, second definition of freedom, and I love this one, it's called the absence of subjection to a foreign domination. Now think that spiritually. You would think maybe it's a country coming in to dominate another country. But beloved, as Christians, our foreign domination is spiritual. It's something you cannot see. It's something that you cannot see. And that something you cannot see that is spiritual comes to try to dominate us and put us in subjection keep us in bondage, build up strongholds. That's what he does. 
listen, there are two realms, and you've heard it already in the sanctuary. They talked about the spiritual realm. It is as real as this physical realm that I can see you and you can see me. It's as real as that. And there's two realms. We live in the what? The physical realm with our flesh, our senses, right? At the same time, there's this other realm. As real as real can be, and things are going on in that realm that you cannot see. I do want to tell you, there's evil in that realm, but there's also good. And the ones that are for us are more than the ones that are against us. But still, it's real enough that you need to identify that that's true. Okay? Paul said in Ephesians 6.12, your wrestle is what? Not against flesh and blood. Not against flesh and blood. And so what happens, we live so much in the, in the natural realm that we're fighting people. You know, it's our spouse or our kids or a neighbor or a coworker, And we're like, blah, 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 blah. And not even thinking that it's a setup and a snare. But it's the spiritual behind it that uses them to try to get to you. So what is the remedy for the flesh? What are you supposed to do to your flesh when it rears up and rants? Crucify it. You're supposed to crucify it. That's what the Word of God says. You're supposed to deny it. Are we supposed to even walk in the flesh? It says don't walk in the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. And most of us, if we're, if we're honest, we walk in the flesh a lot. We don't even think of that other realm and how it's affecting us. And we don't deny our flesh from wanting to have its way. But we have got to start doing that. You know, if somebody wants to say something, you know, say your spouse says something and, you know, you want to, you know. My husband never does that. He really doesn't. He's amazing. <laughs> he's, he's helped me crucify my flesh really easy with that. But, you know, and you want to say something, but you say, no, I'm going to deny it because Jesus told me to deny my flesh. Take up my cross and follow him. Nope, not going to go there because your flesh has a voice and it wants to be heard. But the spirit does too. And we are to walk in the spirit. You know, read Romans 8, the whole chapter, flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit. And it says that the mind of the flesh is enmity to God, which means hostile. Think about that. Think... Think about that. When I read that and I really got a revelation of that, I thought, oh my gosh, Lord, I've been hostile to you my whole life. My Christian life. I've been hostile because that's how I've been thinking. But it goes on, it says, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. If your mind does not have peace, think about what you're thinking about and perhaps you don't have the mind of the Spirit and that's where you're going to endeavor to be free to start thinking like Jesus did. Because that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to walk in the Spirit. You know, Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians and he says, listen, you know, even though you're in the flesh, you're not waging war according to the flesh. You're not. Your war is not there. But that's where we stay sometimes. And that's not where we need to go. We need to be crazy and get out of that pattern. Amen? Amen? So two realms... The remedy for the flesh is 
deny it, crucify it. What is the treatment for the spirit if you're coming against evil that's trying to come against you? Anybody? Resist. Submit to God first. So are we submitting to God by denying our flesh? But also take authority and command. And we don't even do that sometimes. The word of God says, and Jesus said this, Luke 10, 19. He said, behold, I have given you authority. Sometimes we're asking God to do something. Oh, God, please, please. And he's like, I've given it to you. You do it. Behold, I have given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall harm you. Those serpents and scorpions are spiritual things. Because we know in Ephesians 6, where you wrestle not against flesh and blood, Paul goes on and he gives the hierarchy, you know, principalities, powers, wickedness, you know, depends on what translation you have, but he has a whole hierarchy of wicked spiritual things. Those serpents and scorpions that Jesus has given us authority over are the lower level, but those are the ones that really are more active. Seen it. I understand it. I've seen it. Okay? And see, he's given you authority. So you've got to start being bold and taking it and walking in the spirit. And you, oh no, you don't, devil. I am not having that. Be gone. Get out of here. Okay? But we don't always think that way, but we need to start for our freedom. Amen? Now, I just want to give you just a, a little example. Carolyn and I are both registered, uh, retired registered nurses. And we know what it's like when you go to the doctor and that you get, go to the doctor because you have some symptoms. And then he looks at the symptoms and he says, oh, I've got a diagnosis. Symptoms, diagnosis. And then he says, okay, this is what I want to treat you with. It's a treatment plan, right? If that first treatment plan doesn't work, he might switch it to something different, right? Different treatment. That first one didn't work. Beloved, it is exactly the same thing in these two realms. If one doesn't work, do the other. The right diagnosis for the right treatment. Okay? If, you know, I tend to take authority right away. But that's where I'm geared. I never used to, but I've seen so much now. And I've seen it work like that. I, I don't even hesitate. I go that way first. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. I take authority over you and I command you. You stay under my feet. Because Jesus defeated the enemy already. He put him, he disarmed him, put him under our feet. The trouble is, he still is the God of this world. There's still, until Jesus comes back and sets all things new, that is still where our wrestle is. But if you don't know that you need to keep him under your feet, you're going to be attacked. And then we wonder, it's like, oh, why does this always keep happening to me? <laughs> well, you're not telling them to bug out, right? The, um, the last definition of, of uh, freedom is the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. And we talked about that when you first came in. You, you, a lot of you could identify some areas. And listen, I've been set free from so much stuff. I'm still appropriating freedom for other things that I have not found freedom in yet, but I absolutely know that Jesus is going to set me free. I, he already has. I just have to learn how to appropriate it, okay? 
So they could, it could be things such as, um, I'll list things because Carolyn and I do a lot of ministry for freedom. And these are some things that are very uh, similar for women. women uh, men can struggle with different things, but women, you know, honestly, we struggle with the same things. Did you not see it? Stand up for my sister? That's where, you know, we, we all struggle. So it could be fear, anxiety, panic. It could be depression. It could be uh, insecurity, inferiority, rejection, abandonment, compulsions, addictions. And we have seen people set free just by taking authority and commanding. Okay? We have to appropriate. He did the, he did the work on the cross. We have to appropriate what he did. And I'm going to just give you a quick personal testimony about... Um, when I, I'm 67, so when I was 40, I started having a panic attack. And as a registered nurse, I used to work in the ER, and when people would come in with panic attacks, I'd go, in my mind, I didn't do it to them, i I think, get a grip. <laughs> you know, and I'm sorry to say that. I never treated them poorly, but I did not understand a panic attack and, until it happened to me. And it happened in a dentist chair. And I'm not afraid of pain. I'm not afraid of the dentist. It hit me, and I just, I had stuff in my mouth. I jumped out of that chair, and I'm spitting stuff out, and I was so embarrassed. But my heart was a-pounding, and I thought, oh, what was that? I was so embarrassed. Well, it didn't happen for a while. Happened again in the dentist chair. I thought, I'm never going to that dentist again. <laughs> there is something in that chair <laughs> that is trying to attack me. <laughs> Hey, just think about the fear in a dentist, dentist's office, right? So that happened, and then it would start happening in a movie theater, in closed places, an elevator. And so you know what you end up doing when you have panic attacks? You start living your life avoiding places and things that cause it. That's what I did, and I did that for a long time, until it got so bad, so bad, that I could feel it here. And what it turned into was torment. You know, in the King James, it says fear has torment. I could not explain this, what this felt like. It wasn't just panic, but I was living with something that was tormenting me. I had no control over it. It had control over me. And I remember it got so bad. I went to the doctor. I got put on medication. And it did, I couldn't get those pills filled fast enough, let me tell you. I just like, oh, give me that. I needed relief because I was suffering. I couldn't sleep. I was leaping on a bed in the middle of the night. I was pacing at night. My poor husband thought I was nu going nuts. He didn't say, honey, you're nuts. He just, he, he thought I was going nuts. But you know what? I thought I was going nuts too. It was horrible because it was controlling me. The pills helped a bit, but it never went away, Okay. And then it got so bad one time, I had it for a month straight, 24-7. Torment. I didn't tell people, listen, born-again, spirit-filled minister. I didn't tell people. I was embarrassed. Because, see, I was helping other people with other things. I felt like a failure. Like, who am I? Look at me, okay? It got so bad that I remember that torment and I went up to my bedroom and I heard a voice and the voice was very clear in my ear and it said in a sympathetic tone 
you can't live like this. And all of a sudden, I thought, I can't live like this. I can't go another month like this. I can't even go another week like this. And then right away I realized, because I knew enough, that was the enemy trying to lead me on a path with a thought. I, right away, I screamed. I think the neighbors probably heard, don't care, but I screamed to God out of desperation, and I said, God, you have got to help me. And then I heard a voice, and it was the Lord, and he said, call Carolyn. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And, you know, I knew her as a woman of God. We weren't best friends or anything like it, but I knew her, and I called her, and I humbled myself because I had to humble myself to say, I'm struggling. This is horrible. And she goes, no problem. She goes, Sunday after second service, I'll meet you in the back room. We met. She sat in front of me. We sat in front of each other, and she said to me, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Because I want to remind you, I did everything that I knew to do. I had fasted. I had prayed. I had done communion every day. I had stayed in Psalm 91. I knew the word of God. I was meditating on it. I did all spiritual things in a natural way, right? The things that I was doing. No relief. And then she looks at me and she puts her finger in my face. And she said, in the name of Jesus, you spirit of fear, come out of her. And as soon as she said that, that torment that I felt and carried with me for, for years, but it was worse than, and I felt it move. And it came, and it came up out of my mouth with a groan. It was involuntary. It just, and all of a sudden, I, I put my hands on my face. I was so shocked. And my eyes were big as saucers. And I went, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And then I stood up, and I was walking around, and I went, it's gone. It's gone. Jesus. I said, it's gone. And I am telling you, no, I don't need no medication. I don't need no Band-Aid. I needed someone that knew their power and authority to tell that thing to get out of me. As a Christian, we can have those things. They attach to our flesh. And so I am standing here as free as a bird from that. Never had it back, never had a problem. Right diagnosis, right treatment. And there's just one thing, and I'm going to end. It's something that Margaret said. She says, God is not indifferent to our pain. Listen, it took me over 25 years to get rid of that. If I would have known, now we're telling you so you know. No one ever told me this. But God set me free, and he is your deliverer as well. Well, hello, sisters. I'm Carolyn. I'm so excited to be with, here, with all of you this afternoon. Well, I love what Sandra shared, and let me just say, I can attest to what she talked about, because although my whole life I've never really been a worrier, that was a blessing. Uh, but a number of years ago, when my youngest uh, went away to school, all of a sudden, out of the blue, a spirit of anxiety came on me that absolutely paralyzed me in every way. It affected my walk with God, my marriage, every area of my life. Um, and I remember one day, it was so bad that I thought I was losing my mind, something similar to Sandra. I remember saying to my husband, Terry, don't leave me. Don't go to work today. I think I am losing my mind. And he said, honey, I actually really have to go today. 
put on your worship music and call a friend. <laughs> so that's what I did. I put on my worship music. And although I was in a prison inside, and nothing in me wanted to sing, I started to declare those words out loud. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere started to change on the inside of me. And I did call a friend. And she came over, and she knew her authority as well. And she commanded that spirit of anxiety to leave me. And let me tell you, sisters, it did. And I was set free, and that has never come back in the name of Jesus. And listen, Jesus delivered me. He delivered Sandra. And I believe today is a divine appointment. I believe there are some of you here that have been struggling with things that you want freedom for. And I believe that the Lord will do that for you as well. When I was preparing um, this, this uh, workshop, I felt so strongly the Lord say to me, stir up my daughters. Reignite in them, again, a passion for prayer. Remind them of the power available to them when they come to me and pray. So I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would just be poured out here and that he would reawaken in every one of our hearts a new passion and a, a new revelation of what a gift prayer is to us. You know, Sandra told you that our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against the enemy. But let me tell you, Greater is he that is in us than anything the enemy has coming against us. Jesus paid a high price for us to have freedom. How do we overcome in every circumstance? How do we have peace in the middle of the trials and the storms of life? Because let's be honest, we all have them. I believe, ladies, that the greatest and the most powerful privilege that we have as believers is prayer. Peace and prayer are inseparable. Victory and prayer are inseparable. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 4.16 tells us that we can fearlessly, courageously, and boldly, confidently come to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and help for anything that we need. I want you to pause and think for a minute. Set aside your preconceived ideas, your old mindsets about prayer, and imagine for a minute what is available to us. We have direct access to the creator of the universe, the God who is orchestrating galaxies, the God who knows all things and has all the power, the God who loves you and cares about every single detail of your life. Is it possible that somehow we have forgotten, underestimated what prayer is really all about? Have we perhaps thought of it as a good idea, but something we dismiss, something we should probably do, but actually don't really do? Something we've actually, you know, put as a last resort? Um, are we crazy? Are we crazy, sisters? I think we might be. Because I'm crazy enough to believe that prayer interrupts the enemy, yeah. stops him dead in his tracks, okay, and releases the very power of our living God into our situations. Prayer allows us to access every 
resource at God's disposal. There is no limit to that. Do you need wisdom? Do you need strength? Do you need strategies, joy, direction? I could go on and on. It is the primary way that God has chosen for us to connect with that power source and actually partner with him to bring forth into the earth, into our lives and into the lives of others, his plans and his purposes. So what are we waiting for? It's how we reach our destinies, girls. It's how we apprehend his promises for our lives. It's how we have great marriages, and it's how we defend our children. You know, we have the Holy Spirit in us. The very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And prayer allows us to live by the Spirit, like Sandra talked about. And you know what else is completely mind-blowing, if that isn't enough? Is that prayer is a two-way conversation. Can you imagine? We actually can hear what God has to say specifically about our situations, about every area of our life, and allow that to settle our hearts. And if that's not enough, ladies, we have our tongues, our heavenly language. There are times, I'll tell you, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. You know, but the Holy Spirit in us, it says in the Word, prays the perfect will of God. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. He knows the past, the present, the future. He knows exactly what to pray in every situation. And it even says in Ephesians to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So I want, I want you right now to stop and let the awe and the wonder of that once again be reawakened in you. Let that arrest your hearts today of what the power of prayer is and let a refreshing comes to, come to your life about that. You know, part of our inheritance as daughters is intimacy with God. And, you know, prayer is like a natural outflow of that vibrant, just beautiful, life-giving, daily personal relationship that we have with him. And I want to ask you, how many of you ladies are busy? Um, I think women are busier than ever. We have so many roles. We have so many to-do lists. I mean, it's crazy. And so I think what happens is a lot of us, you know, we know prayer is important. So we get up in the morning and we have a little prayer time maybe. But then we check that off our list and we go running into our day to tackle all the other things on our to-do list. And it's like we kind of park God in our prayer time. It's like, well, we can't really park him there because he never leaves us or forsakes us, so he's with us at all times. But it's, although we, it's, it's kind of like we ignore him throughout the day. And I think, what are we doing? Are we crazy? We have the presence of God available to us all the time, and yet we somehow ignore him. And, you know, when we do that is when we start to get into trouble. That's when we start to do things in the flesh. That's when we become a target for the enemy. That's when we lose our peace and our joy. And so instead, I believe we're to practice the Lord's presence throughout our entire day. And I believe that this is a key. And it's a key that's talked about in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 when it says to pray without ceasing. And you ladies know prayer is just talking to God. Just taking a minute to tap into his presence, to love on him, to thank him, to ask for his wisdom, to listen to his direction. 
What belongs to you? Do you know your inheritance? It's up to us to apprehend the promises of God for our lives. Joy, peace, healing, freedom from whatever it is that the enemy has you gripped in. The ability to speak to the mountains and the circumstances in your lives and command them to be removed. The word of God tells us what belongs to us and what we can believe for. I want to tell you a little uh, testimony of a time in our family's life when it was probably about the largest mountain I've ever faced. And so I have two children and my oldest is a son. And from the ages of about 18 to 20, my beautiful boy who'd been raised in the church and loved Jesus all of a sudden rebelled in every possible way you could imagine. And we never saw it coming. He turned his back on God. The darker and the more evil it was, the better he liked it. And he stopped coming to church. He wanted nothing to do with the Lord. And actually, it got even worse because he became addicted to hard drugs. I'll never forget the day that he said, Mom, if I keep going on this path, I'm going to be dead in six months. And so the Lord used that time to teach me the power of prayer and the authority that we have. And so I would spend hours praying at his bedside. I remember one Sunday, Terry and I liked to watch NFL football together. And he called up to me. I was upstairs, and he said, are you coming to watch football? And I said, no, honey, I'm not. I have a job to do. And I would kneel by my son's bedside, and I would lay hands on his pillow, and I would play worship music, and I would invite the presence of God to fill that room. And I would say, devil, you can't have him. And I would declare the promises of God, and I would pray with everything that was in me. And I like to tell you, ladies, that like that, everything got great. But no, I probably would say that it got worse before it got better. And I remember one time in desperation, he wanted, he was actually anti-Jesus. And I remember saying to the Lord, how is he going to come back to you? He won't come to church. He won't even let me talk about you. And that's when that two-way conversation with the Lord and his word is so precious. He took me to Jeremiah 32 and said, I will put my reverential fear into his heart. It was like him saying, Carolyn, you don't have to get him to the right place at the right time. You know, and then I thought, wow, things are so bad and so dark and so evil in his life. Maybe he's too far gone. I remember thinking the devil probably sent this thought to me. I think maybe he's lost his salvation forever. And the Lord took me to John chapter 10, 28. And it talks about his sheep. Listen to his voice. And he says, and I give them eternal life and they shall never lose it. No one can snatch them from my hand. Well, can you imagine what that did for my mama heart that night when the Lord told me that? And so I just want to stand here and tell you today that, yeah, he came back to the Lord. But not only that, God supernaturally set him free from all his addictions without ever having to go to a drug rehab treatment program. That is the God I serve. So praise you, Jesus. Girls, you and God are a majority. The enemy is going to try to bring doubt and fear into your life and worry and talk to you out of what you're believing for. But like Sandra said, the biggest battle is in our minds. James warns us about being double-minded. We must go back to what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter how you feel. 
doesn't matter what your friends are saying. It doesn't even matter what the circumstances look like. There are facts. But there is a truth that supersedes even the facts, and that is the word of God. Let it be the final authority for your hearts and your minds. When we pray and choose to believe what God is saying, I'll tell you what. There is no, no matter what the situation looks like, when we refuse to believe the lies of the enemy when he says, your prayers aren't going to work. Use your authority. You know, you need to speak out loud sometimes, like Sandra said, and say, devil, I refuse your lies. I cancel every plan you have in the name of Jesus. Speak the promise and speak to your mountain. Don't ever start repeating what the devil is saying to you. Choose to submit your mind and your heart to the truth of God's word. Listen, camp out on what he has said to you. Camp out on that scripture. Meditate on it. Speak on it until it becomes the truth that your heart is anchored in. And the result, the devil will flee from you. You get to keep your peace and your joy expecting the breakthrough. John 14.27 says, Jesus, Jesus sorry, said in John 14.27 that I leave you my peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. But then the next line says, do not let your hearts be troubled. We have a part to play in that as well, ladies. I just want to read to you what it says in Philippians 4. A lot of you know this scripture, verse 6. I'm going to read it to you in the Passion Translation. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answer known to you through Jesus Christ. Listen, praise, worship, thanksgiving, they are weapons. Powerful weapons in our arsenal that lead to victory. It's impossible to worship and worry at the same time. You know, remember when the devil brings a thought to you, like Sandra said, you do not have to receive it. Think of it as a murderer or a thief coming to ring your doorbell. Uh, You don't have to invite him in, feed him dinner and dessert. (laughs) Forget it. (laughs) Um, I want to share another testimony about really when the Lord taught me about taking his word and locking onto that. It was a number of years ago I was... um, just going for a routine mammogram, didn't think anything of it. Until the next day, the phone rang at work, uh, and it was the breast screening clinic to tell me they had found a lump, and they wanted me to come back for another mammal and ultrasound. So I'd like to say I was full of faith in that moment, but no, fear, I remember so clearly, tried to come on me and grip me in that moment. And so I could have started to think worst-case scenario and go down that terrifying road that leads to death. But instead, I practiced the presence of God and prayer, and I turned to God and listened to what he had to say to me in that moment. And he took me to the story in Mark chapter 5 about Jairus, whose little girl is home, who's sick at home and dying. And he's come to find Jesus, and he said, Jesus, will you come to my house and pray that my daughter would be healed? And Jesus agrees. And they're on the way to Jairus' house. But on their way there, some people 
come to meet them and say, actually, there's no point in coming. Your daughter has died. And I believe with all my heart, sisters, that in that moment, Jesus and Jairus locked eyes. And Jesus said to Jairus, fear not, only believe. And that's what I felt the Lord say to me in that moment. And so I locked on to that. And all week, that's what I chose to believe and chose to speak out. And I said, Lord, I am expecting they aren't going to be able to find that lump when I go back. And sure enough, ladies, when I went back, they couldn't find it. They had to call another doctor in. He couldn't find it. And so I had said to the Lord, I'll give you all the glory. So when I walked back out into the waiting room full of women in the breast screening clinic, probably all struggling with fear of what they were going to hear that day, I mustered up my courage and I said, excuse me, everyone, I just want to tell you what Jesus just did for me. I came in here with a lot... With a lump, and they couldn't find it today. Jesus healed me. And I said, if any of you want prayer, just lift up your hands. I had brought a girlfriend with me. So the two of us had the privilege of praying for many precious women who were in the same boat. And we even got to lead one to Jesus. So glory to God. Glory to God. That's our God, ladies. So you know what? Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the greatness of Almighty God. Strengthen yourself by remembering the times in the past when he's been faithful to you, when he's shown you his goodness. And use the greatest resources at your disposal, prayer and the word of God. You know, in him we're redeemed. We're set free, we're healed, and we are victorious conquerors. Keep your eyes locked on Jesus because the right view of Jesus will give you the right view of your problem. Thank you for listening to the Awakening Moments podcast today. Like or subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Lori Boucher and Rhonda.Corto. May you be awakened to the moments that matter the most.